0: That's BlueNile.com.
1: Hi, I'm Tom from Devon, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is After death, would you want to be cryogenically frozen? And if so, when in the future would you want to be woken up? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything.
0: Hello everybody, welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything A podcast where myself, comedian writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste My producer friend Howard Cohen, aka Dehiza Hello And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked And we are talking everything
1: from We are talking everything from Tom, from Devon's question After death, would you want to be cryogenically frozen? And if so, when in the future would you want to be woken up? (laughs) Nope. No, thank you, Tom. I'm I'm happy to go when I go, mate. But, um, you know,
0: uh, Dane? I'm with you on this one, Howard. I believe that no no human being has a right to own life. Life is a part of experience, just like love. So to compartmentalise it, I think is counter-evolutionary. So when I go, I would have had my time rather than reappearing in the gene pool when it would have advanced following Departing this mortal coil. So, but also uh,
1: it never works out in any films. Demolition Man, Idiocracy, as yeah. others. It's just not. It's just not an alien.
0: The, the, the Omega Man, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it, yeah,
1: it's just not successful. So, thanks for your suggestion, Tom. But we're not going to do it. Uh, and uh, suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we,
0: Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, nor temporally specific. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode Or you can subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, to hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is an author, social entrepreneur, TED speaker and self-proclaimed accidental CEO. She founded her company Glitch, which helps support women and marginalised communities to make online space safer for all. She is also a former tech speaker and respected writer within the political and tech space, and with her book, How to Stay Safe Online, which is a digital self-care toolkit for developing resilience and allyship. Please, welcome to the show, Shay Akiwowo.
2: Hey. Thank Yay. you. Hey. How you doing? Good. Thank you. Happy it's Friday or whenever this will come out. But today of recording, it's Friday. It's good. Sun's <laughs> out. Autumn sun. How nice. are you?
0: Good, man. As Like yourself, taking in the love and light from the sun, keeping us warm, stimulating the pineal gland and that. Uh, so yeah, happy in that respect.
1: Did you uh, fancy being cryogenically frozen shape? Well, no, but I thought it was really interesting
2: that you, were, you Howard, were really against it because I thought when you become a parent, you kind of want to do stay around and, like, be with your kids, and I thought that may be where I would change my mind.
1: Interesting.
0: At what point in your kid's life would you come back, though?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, well, I hope I live a long life of 100, 100 years, and so I would see some key milestones, but I would probably love to see, like, my you know my my granddaughter grandson grandperson like do something really cool or get something really cool and like be there in the audience or be there in, like as a hovering spirit <laughs> um, um cheering them on because i think that that kind of intergenerational stuff is is something we miss in this country that i admire in so many other cultures like we're coming up to the kind of dawn of the dead which is it's just which is experienced and celebrated in latina latino con- uh, community so i i do kind of i do sometimes hypothesize what it would look like to kind of live a little bit longer to just be around to see my legacy and to 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 be in community with like my grand grand great grand grandkids,
0: wow. I get I get it I get it. I, it's a concern. You want to make sure that you've left enough of a legacy behind. But um, yeah, I, I I like that idea. But then I'm also aware of just how much human beings masturbate, and I don't want to walk out at the wrong time and be like, as I, 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 I feel like the problems with people, people are like I know my grandmother's watching over me. It's like as much as people masturbate, do you really want your grandmother to be? Yeah,
1: it was such. you gave us such a beautifully eloquent vision of it's her family future.
0: Well, that spiritual part is is part of it, but. I, listen, I love my grandmother. Uh, I love my, both of my grandmothers, but we would have to have a schedule of when they would appear. They pop, pop, but I say, yeah, because just popping up is not going to be opportune for anybody. Well, maybe <laughs> there'll be an app.
1: Maybe <laughs> there'll be an app for that. I don't an
0: know. App. Or a hologram. Just, I, yeah. But I guess the, the main thing is to... to uh, spend as much time imprinting on the people you love as much as possible
2: exactly so. exactly and i do agree with that that usually you see these films that people want to stay alive forever because of power and greed and it's about money and it's about all of that and actually yeah. that's not at all the reason but i would want to stay i don't really you know i don't really want to be trying to get people to remember who i am but before after i've gone i think it's been more about connecting to my family and seeing what they do and seeing like iterations of my dna where does that end up who they can who they get married to and stuff like that that would be what i would want to come back and see but obviously respecting boundaries of like sex time good
1: yeah good it's probably time for a question (laughs) isn't it Dane? before i start thinking about my children having sex one day
0: okay um well then this this comes as a matter of urgency then howard uh (laughs) is our very esteemed guest we'd like to invite you to ask the first question which could be any question you like about any topic which you'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes or some change and then howard would like to pose a question to you which we discuss for the same amount of time And in keeping with past on tradition throughout generations, I'd like to ask you a question. to Discuss for about 15 minutes or so. And then we would love for you to be able to tell our listeners uh, about your good works, past, present, and future, especially if they've been emerging from cryogenic sleep. Uh, How does that sound?
2: Amazing. Good, good. Let's go.
0: So the the floor is yours to ask the first question.
2: So, Dane, I was very aware of heated discussions uh, last year around ethnicity and race. Mm -hmm. and how there was an opportunity for a kind of learning teaching moment, maybe things were said in emotions and stuff. I just wondered what your thoughts were, you know, on that a year on without trying to bring up anything, but, yeah. M- more in reflections around accountability like how can we make mistakes how can we be recovering dickheads online without it leading to pylons and people then like doubling down on maybe things that are actually harmful opinions mm. a good
0: question very good question um now Shay, i want to say myself personally i like this question i think it's good in terms of accountability you might need to give it more context to some of the listeners who may not be aware what are referring to, Howard? I think you're clued up, right?
1: I reckon I'm gonna, but I'm gonna look forward to yeah. the, but, the context.
0: It'd be interesting, Shay, to get your viewpoint from your perspective of the events as you saw them unfold. Okay,
2: <laughs> and then do correct me, right? So I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, at all. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, so what I saw. Go viral on my, on my on my timeline, like literally, you were trending. Was I think there was a interview that you had done on a show with somebody who is white Jamaican, mm-hmm. and then there was the clip of that was was shown on socials as it does, and that went kind of viral. To and I think a lot of people didn't didn't come across this person before, but he's been about for a while, and people were like taken back by the fact that he has a thick Jamaican accent, but is like very white. And then I saw um, people kind of commenting on the fact that you were mistaking or confusing race with ethnicity and kind of accusations of trying to be black and then having a conversation of like, what is black when it's a racialized term and rather than a culture. So I think it it brought up you know loads of conversations and genuine questions, but a moment of, I think a lot of like heat and a lot of tension have I explained
0: that? I mean, you know, definitely you explain it from your perspective. I think the confusion came from and uh, a large amount of the uh, tension that was created was that people uh, mistook me for another panelist because I didn't actually question his uh, ethnicity and nationality. I actually said nothing during the segment based on an a issue that had arisen six months prior. So that was one of the reasons why I... Uh, chose not to uh, volunteer my opinion in the conversation. Largely because of the irony being that six months prior to his appearance on on the show, he had actually questioned my authentic Caribbean identity in the first place. And so I was like, I just find the hypocrisy to be, well, astounding. And so I chose not to volunteer my opinion on the conversation. However, that being said, in terms of accountability, I think that uh, my biggest mistake at the time was allowing myself to be sucked into a narrative in which I probably didn't need to volunteer a response in the first place. Mm. So for me, that was a real learning curve in terms of understanding that there is a certain limited amount by which you are able to articulate yourself, uh, discursively within the online sphere. And I probably hadn't gone about the most, most structured way about it because this, uh, suggestion that I had been questioning someone's identity, I'd found ridiculous, but, um, yeah, I probably I probably didn't choose the best way to react to it initially.
2: Do you think that what was happening on socials, based on what people had seen mm-hmm. and your altercation? So I get that the clip was edited in a way that was confusing, but I think I definitely saw your tweets. Yes. Do you think that when people were trying to hold you accountable and say, "I think you're confusing race with ethnicity here," and what being Jamaican is, and and all of that. Do you think that was? Do you think that was a, an attempt at holding you accountable? And maybe some people, as there always is, took it a bit too far. But do you think there was an attempt at people trying to educate you? And maybe because of the heat of the moment, you just couldn't hear it.
0: I will, well, to be honest, I'm trying to remember what I may have said, which would have alluded to ethnicity and race. But, but I think for me, I definitely remember. I mean. I remember putting screenshots of a conversation I had six months previously, but feel free to remind me, then it'll probably be easier for me to answer the question.
2: So I know that the clip had two black people, but I don't think there was a mistaken identity. I think you got looped in yeah. from what I saw, because you, your, your reaction to the other guy talking?
0: I will, well, to be honest, I'm trying to remember what I may have said, which would have alluded to ethnicity and race. But, but I think for me, I definitely remember, I mean, I remember putting screenshots of a conversation I had six months previously, but... Feel free to remind me, because then it'll probably easy for me to answer the question. I-
2: well, it was—it's deleted. So in preparing for this, I did try and bring up, bring it up to see if the, if it was there, but it's deleted. So I, so I don't know, and I, and I haven't seen anyone put a screenshot of what was there beforehand. You know, yeah. you know, people bringing up receipts, but it doesn't. I don't. I think I. I wonder if the 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 details here doesn't matter, but using this as an opportunity to be like, yeah. is it possible to have accountability on social media platforms? Is it possible for things to go viral people to get it wrong and people to um to be told they've gotten it wrong without it getting lost in yeah all the hype i
0: think i think it's possible but i think yeah definitely think it's possible but i think it's definitely down to the individual and if they are prepared to make it a learning experience i think in that particular instance uh i probably was being if i was being deliberately or too obtuse or being adversarial it was because of the fact that the basis for any criticism hadn't existed And so my whole, so that was probably me grandstanding against what I perceived to be that collective online consciousness where I was Mm. being attacked for not talking. And so I think for me, the ridiculousness of that situation probably made me react in a way where I felt like there was no opportunity for uh, effective discussion. And so... I looked at it as, that, as like for me, I thought that experience was a demonstration of populism, where people who aren't really interested in exchanging the facts, and it was more of a question of whoever shouts the loudest is right. And I think sometimes because the paradigm of discussion on social media can go like that, and the court of a public opinion doesn't necessarily have to have a factual basis for its uh, judgments and rulings, probably influenced my uh, reaction to the situation. But mm. I, but I think there's definitely an opportunity for accountability because I have had previous instances before where members of other marginalized communities have explained to me why certain narratives or certain nomenclature can be quite damaging to them. And whether or not I necessarily agree with that I think it can always become very problematic, particularly within a digital sphere, if you're either trying to compare traumas and also try to downplay traumas or have someone try to articulate the complexity of uh, issues faced by marginalized communities in the space of 280 characters. So for me personally, in that instance, there's been times when I can openly be like, I may have either exaggerated that response or kind of uh, embellished that reaction. But I I like to think I tend to do that within the context of the hyperbole that you can see on social media. But I think I also try to remain vigilant to the fact that if the narrative I'm making is going to flippantly potentially leave a marginalized group or a vulnerable person or vulnerable people open to critique from online communities, then accountability definitely has to be taken there. Because yeah. yeah, I just because I feel like especially within within comedy, there's there's a lot to be said for, and there is definitely an ongoing discussion about freedom of speech. But I I am somebody that believes two things. I don't necessarily think we have what's called freedom of speech. I think freedom of speech is normally kind of a uh, knee jerk response that um, trolls and uh, those uh, people who uh, make deliberate the incendiary comments online use to kind of justify their their behaviours i think particularly looking at the uk as a microcosm of uh cyberspace or whatever i don't think we have freedom of speech i think there are a number of institutions that exist to prevent people from saying whatever they want without consequence mm-hmm. like that's why we have ofcom to regulate what's said on uh media or broadcast media i think that's why we have libel laws because people can't make false claims about people in a in in press print um uh we have uh sedition laws we've had sedition laws as well We've had heresy laws, um and those are all over the world with various autocracies and theocracies as well. So I don't think there's ever been really been a freedom of speech, and I think again people tend to kind of weaponize that to get away with what they're saying. Because I think freedom of speech definitely should come with accountability. Being being free to say whatever you want does not absolve you of responsibility if your words are gonna have a tangible effect on other people. So I think, yeah, I think that accountability can be observed on social media, but it's really down... I think that's down to somebody who is going to take accountability within normal situations outside of the digital sphere as well.
2: Yes, so I talk about this in my book. We can't talk about accountability and online, online, online spaces allow us to have accountability. We can tag so-and-so energy company, tag so-and-so um, book bookstore or shop that is being racist. Duh, duh, duh. We can't keep thinking that accountability is just online. If we don't have those frameworks offline, it has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And we haven't built those accountability frameworks properly offline. offline. um so I guess in so many ways, in Black Black history, the church was an institution that helped bring some accountability, some some decu- sort of some kind of like arbitrary neutral person you could kind of um bring issues to or with you know the church kind of was the spokesperson for the black community you have and you have that same conversation being happening now in like muslim communities like is it right for certain muslim councils to be speaking on behalf of all muslim people are are, are all, all muslim people homogeneous groups so we're having a conversation around what does accountability look like how does it look like to have someone represent us to the powers that be and stuff and we can't keep thinking that social media is this, yeah, great to hold people accountable and it's not counterculture when we actually haven't set out the difference between the two. We've set out what what the social norms are, the way in which to do it. So I think, you know, looking back, if there is misinformation happening, so looking back at the the, the talk show that we're talking about earlier, if there is misinformation misinformation being shared, if you are feeling attacked, like, what is what can one do to be able to get the truth out there so yeah. we can start having an effective conversation from a place of truth, not where you're now like you're being so silly. Can you not see that wasn't me in the in in the interview? Or if you you know you are upset about the other person saying something because of your previous history, you know how can you have that conversation through DMs first? You know, I just I I just I think we need to be.
0: I think I think these and I think these are all valid questions, but I th- and I think just um. How you've kind of structured those protocols in terms of trying to create an effective space for an effective discussion, I think that's all very logical. And I think part of the reason why I reacted and had the narrative I had on social media was because nobody else thought about that. Nobody considered the fact yeah. that, like, I'm not in the video un- unapologetic. I've never questioned anybody's nationality on a TV show. I've never questioned people's identity irrespective of their race in all of my works. And it felt very strange that people. Who now are claiming to have such a uh, superior awareness of my work or my body of work and my narrative? And I judge me on it when very clearly it's like what I'm being accused of, my entire body of work is the antithesis of all of that.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah. And I can, yeah. and I can see where you would be really hurt by that and therefore be in a trauma response of fight, freeze, flight, or fawn, And you went into fight mode. Yeah. I think that's what this book is trying to get us to see, that social media platforms it's currently designed constantly get us into a trauma state, constantly get us butting heads. We're not having... Do you know what
0: else as well? I think what even exasperated even more, and for me, is what I perceive to be a massive amount of cowardice from my detractors because the idea that people were saying things and then they would change their social media and be like, you're not able to reply to them. So for me, it's like people who also aren't really interested in having a discussion anyway and I tend to equate it to, like, the kind of people that used to watch, like, public executions. Like, these mm. are the mud peasants or the, the descendants of mud peasants who used to watch people being hung, drawn, and quartered or watching witches being burnt at, the, burnt at the stake. Like, they're not really interested in facts. These are people that are just interested in being able to project either their own fears of morality or the, uh, of mortality or their own inferiority complexes onto me. And I think even when you look at that particular instance, uh, there was a lot of subtext of... a. Uh, inferiority complex where people openly resent you if you appear to be intellectual within our community as well
2: i think those are all really really like sound like comparisons and analogies there and while we need to be more aware of that all of us so we know how the platforms work so we start we don't let you we don't let it start causing even more division yeah we don't don't let it be used against us if we are more. i think there's a slight like naivety mm-hmm. that if I just stay in my lane or I just do this like I'm not gonna have trouble come my way as you found trouble came your yeah, way
0: that's a great way of putting it because that's because like, the whole thing stands about six months ago when I and what made it even more frustrating is that I wasn't added so no one actually directly like added me or made me aware of my social media with my handles that I was being spoken about so I got the second-hand knowledge through it being passed on or going viral and so on the one hand I, I definitely understand that you know we can observe accountability but what do you do when the other party is essentially using these uh negative elements of social media
2: to increase their own profile yeah and and i think that is the key question that i try to explore in this in this book because i think you've got interviews with journalists who will edit things, edit your writing, edit your quotes in a certain way for their own advantage and they don't care that actually the way that they, they would edit it could be bringing you into 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 harm's way or putting you on a spotlight. I think people don't ask for consent when they're in, fo- in photos or videos and things go viral and then that could be people in harm's way. I think that's absolutely the question we should be asking ourselves what do we do when we know there are people out there that are using these platforms in in bad in bad ways and not the most violent ways you know not just the extreme ways of like sharing suicide content um extremism um um grooming we're not talking even just the extreme we're talking about these like lower level ways are where we're continuously feeling unsafe on the platform yeah. we're continuously having to harden our hearts and 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 harden our 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 ears so we're not actually hearing each other and that actually is causing us to have further isolation causing further divisions that we're going to see in years to come it's a these are the key questions i think we need to be asking of social media companies and ourselves to make sure that we're having a an intentional experience with the platform and they were having boundaries yeah. i won't go i won't like like we when we before we did this show i asked you questions around what questions you're going to ask me yeah, where yeah. we go with this and i i filter through what i'm going to ask and not ask because yeah. why would i now talk about for example the alt right and bring more abuse to my platform that i've had over the last five years
3: yeah.
2: I, i'm not the expert to deal with this so how do we start having that conversation where we can all feel equipped yeah and boundaries and wanting to enjoy the online space. I think,
0: I think a lot of it is, uh, uh, these are all uh, preliminary questions because it's still a relatively new culture to us. And I said a few yeah. times on the podcast as well, is that the human consciousness as it exists on social media is still only a teenager. That's how long we've been on there. And I think when you are a teenager, it's uh, a very interesting point to be at because you are dealing with uh, some adult uh, inclinations and desires, uh, but don't, but still have the childlike level of wisdom and awareness. And by that, I mean, People, if we had more of a frame of reference of social media that like we do with normal life, the kind of things that you hear, for example, people say on social media, some of the statements that people make and some of the inflammatory statements they make, if you were to hear them in any other arena outside of social media, you wouldn't pay it any mind. So it's kind of learning to have that discernment and have that migrate online so that we start developing more of a uh, coherent digital etiquette, I think, where the main thing I should have done sure. for that whole thing was what Ori Styler told me to do and just leave my phone. Yeah and at the very least to be able to structure a rebuttal that wouldn't necessarily be that emotionally tinged and could have addressed oh, before that, yeah
2: And before that, Dane, look after yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what you you've just woken up and seen your notifications and you're like, What's going on? Like you are in a trauma response. Let's not let's not kind of like put bravado on this. Yeah, yeah. What you went through is also really, really traumatic. Yeah. So, you know, before even that think about rebuttal and going into fight mode, like actually, how do you center yourself? How do you check in with yourself and how you're doing and meet your needs?
0: I think for me, yeah, I think part of that is, for me, it was very helpful because initially it was a trauma response. And I think being able to, I was affect I had a good support system around me, I think, was probably the most effective thing. Is that people, and
2: thankfully you did yeah, thankfully, I did. a lot you of people are like a
0: lot more well versed because some of my other peers who were involved in that had to come off social media altogether. So luckily for me, like I had a I had a support system of people who were aware of the context of what had taken place and were able to assist me in putting together a more structured response. So yeah, yes, for me, I guess I was just lucky in that respect is that you know I in like in real life, if I had to deal with a trauma or a personal attack, I'd have had a support system there as well. So I guess that was the main thing for me was that it was having people around me that would be like. Don't feed too much into this and just, yeah, give me the kind of support and the professional advice in dealing with it.
3: We'll be back after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. and with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the show.
2: 100%. And that's the advice, again, I give in the book around how do you get your team, how do you get people on, on online supporting you and understanding you i i talk about it in the book when i went on my second date with my boyfriend and um the daily mirror um posted an article about interview that i did with the bbc one show with um alex jones where mm-hmm. she mispronounced my name mm-hmm. and it's very similar to you dame right she mispronounced my name my face went my face did my face yeah and then someone clipped my face as a gif and it went viral yeah We were having conversations all over Eastern Europeans, Irish people, all laughing at how people, white people, mispronounce our names. It was a very jokey thing, but someone in the Daily Daily Mirror decided to turn this article into framing me as aggressive, as rude, um, combative. With me and Alex, when she apologised and all this stuff, and it, and it then sparked a lot of this abuse and I was on this date and William saw my face drop and he's like well what do you do in this situation how can I help that's what we need to be having Definitely. in with our genuine relationships with our with our friends and our community and our family they need to be checking out for us us online and offline because we know what happens online impacts us offline and vice versa yeah.
0: and I think we, I, I we downplay that as well because I think that was, that, was, that, that, was, that was a large problem with me as well is that a lot of the time I've probably been snappy at people. And it's basically been based on an experience I've had online rather than anything that's happened in my normal day-to-day. And it's meant that I've had to learn some... uh yeah, it just really changed my methods in terms of how I interact with social media. And, you know, Absolutely. And I, and I think that is a, because, you know, social media is just an, it's an environment that exists outside of your immediate environment, whether it's like your personal or safe space. And I think that coping mechanisms offline can be very effective online, but they do, it definitely involve the idea of centering oneself and asserting oneself, gathering one's faculties and yeah. their own personal, your own personal truth as grounding before you go yeah. venture into this space where yeah. everyone's truth is a matter of their own perception and in yeah. many cases because there's a large part of the internet who is postulates as people but aren't people um it's about having that awareness as well because there could have been a number of people i may have responded to or who are attacking me who are not even people and would have just been bots or ai or a and you're
2: wasting your time you're wasting
0: your time and you're, your time. And, and you're also Which, forming you're also forming defensive complexes and and synaptic responses to people who don't yeah. even exist
2: don't exist, and then you harden your heart again. <laughs> yeah. And then we see what happens. Bullied people become bullies. Yes. And actually, how are we going to make the online spaces space safe if we don't really get to this crux of it? And I liked your comparison about saying that where we're at the moment with social media, we're kind of teenagers. My only, my only disagreement with that is the fact that at least when you're a child, there is a parent yeah. telling you right from wrong, yes. giving you some form of moral coding, right, giving you some idea of like what is good and bad and like helping you set up your own frame of reference. So you decide how you show up in the world. We haven't had that with social media. No,
0: there is no, there's no parental body. That's the thing. And, and also <laughs> it's, then that's kind of lends to the teenager analogy as well, because sometimes teenagers act out based on the level of rigid and strict upbringing they have. And I think that's a large part of what people do on social media. And again, it goes back to the fact that there's probably been times where I'm talking to a 40, 14 year old white kid from Berkshire. <laughs> and this person is trying to question my identity. I can't see that. But then I've, I feel the need to indulge them. When again, normally one of two things would happen in real life. These half the people that speak to me wouldn't make eye contact with me on the street and wouldn't engage in any kind of heated exchange with me, but you can't see that on social media. And it's very hard for you to kind of make that discernment. So
2: yes. And then what are we putting on tech companies who are, who are founders of these companies? What are we putting on them to put the, to put these very basic, um, policies, uh, these very basic rules of rights and wrongs, we have, we don't have that. No. So we have got kind of l- l- lawless, unruly teenagers yeah. happy, um, on, the, on the platform at the moment, which is true, all of us, because we actually haven't set out that so- the social norms, we haven't set out the no. social contract to each other, we haven't said what the golden classroom rules are for the online space, no. so we just do what we do, we, we do it at Lord
0: of the Flies, we, well, what we do, what, what teenagers do, they, they seek people they think represent them, no matter how extreme. And I would say as well, it's like, a lot of the extremist groups or splinter groups you find on social media, if you were to try to make what, when I used a high school analogy, if you think of like a dinner hall or like a canteen, the misfit kids will all sit together where they're just like on one table. But social media, if there's enough of those tables, it makes a canteen unto itself. So you have a whole entire canteen of misfits who are now able to observe their own echo chamber and to find support in any kind of extreme narrative they tend to create. And so, like you said, it's about, I the other thing I say as well is that when people talk about social media and free speech, you could argue that, that is probably one of the this is probably the first example of democracy that we've seen as human beings in that it it may exist, but it's the first time people take advantage of that democracy to volunteer their opinion mm. If you look at democracy, how it exists within Western civilization, really it's a function of aristocracy supposed to be acting on behalf of 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 the people, and that's what we've seen in our country, for example that's how the bipartisan political spectrum works. It's more like there's two large majorities. And people within that have to kind of move on the spectrum to try and align themselves as close as possible with left and right. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, social media may inevitably have to move in that place where representatives exist to represent the voices of particular people rather than allowing everyone to speak. The-
2: oh, controversial solution. I mean,
0: I'm not saying it's a solution, but I mean, it, if we are following the patterns that we've seen in human civilization offline, it may be the way we end up anyway, because what would have happened is as i said a lot of stuff that we hear on or see on social media if someone said it out loud in real life people would be like that person needs to be in a secure unit or to be referred to a psychiatric unit or you would you'd, you'd dismiss them as a village idiot or like the you know the town owner. well oak. not
2: just, not not even just that there would be there, there's rules in place we've seen it we, this this week um early in october uh, hate crime's gone through the roof right yeah. like hate crime on 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 the rise there is criminal there's criminal Acts and legislation that means that things that are hurtful offline can't happen, yeah. but yet we can do that online. Someone wouldn't be catcalling a woman or whistle, uh, wolf whistling a woman on her way to work, and then she would be told, "Well, don't go to work yeah. then. Come off, come off, come off Oxford yeah, Circus, yeah. come off, off, off." But we have that same um, victim blaming language, that same kind of tolerance. We we, we say, "Oh yeah, it's okay." Uh, no, it's okay that you it's this abuse. It's part of the job as being a comedian or a politician or as a mm-hmm. journalist we make actually too much allowance that we don't allow offline because we haven't set what these social norms are. We keep allowing tech companies to get away with it. I don't know if it's a n- n- nature nurture thing that you're saying or deliberate profit capitalism of tech companies um using the worst of us psychology to make more money.
0: I think, I think it's a good point and I think it may possibly be the latter. I think that, you know, it's all of this uh, you could refer to, especially those who are not directly affected by some of the uh, hateful displays on social media. People who not affected by it see that as pageantry and they see it as a very, I guess, in the same way that stylized violence and sexual violence is uh, glorified within real life, which serves as a very good distraction for the political intrigue that, and the corporate corruption that we see in real life. It's very similar yeah. that all of this pageantry takes place and these leaks and these exchanges take place mm-hmm. because the real issue with all of social media is about the accumulation and the commercialization of data.
2: Yeah. So all of our data. All of our
0: data. And, and the more we are given the gift of anonymity to display our true selves, the more accurate and useful the data is. Because people can fill in and do data capture and fill in within certain parameters of their age, sex, location, but to find out what people really think. You have to go into their browser history. And look at, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and their history of searching what's trending. And once you have that, that's much more, uh, an accurate reading of the more darker recesses of the human psyche. And being able to commodify that and sell it is probably the biggest growth market that exists within the corporate sphere at the moment.
2: And we are not having an eye on that whatsoever. We're because not. We're too- we're too busy discussing what's the difference between X, Y, and Z and and, and criticising each other rather than all understanding we're on a journey of evolving. No one should be hateful online, 100%. We should be holding them accountable for that. But I think we are being so distracted by this low-level stuff when there's bigger, 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 um, I think, corporate issues that we need yeah. to be... especially because
0: like. if we are starting to get a, a, a print or like a print of the human psyche as it behaves on social media... If you're able to work out this algorithm, then you are able to then start changing said algorithm. And then you can, and then you leave people in a condition where they're a lot more suggestible, which means you can kind of move them ideologically where you want. And so, like you said, And we've seen that. We've, and seen, we've seen
2: that with Andrew Tate. We saw that BuzzFeed investigation that sh- that showed people who followed Andrew Tate. Over the last couple of years, people who studied critical race theory at university now were believing what he said. How easy it was to go on a pathway of being groomed by this guy yeah. because of algorithms pumping his content. So not only was the content there, we had an issue with the fact that TikTok was actually suggesting his content to people, YouTube was suggesting these extremist content to people. Yes. That's a this is a real concern.
0: Absolutely. And uh I guess the real the issue is then we follow that digital path of, cause you know, algorithms are created. They don't, they don't, they're not like that. You know, they have created by us. So we thought that we, fo- we followed that to find out who is producing this code. Yes. And that, that's part of it. And that's part of the regulation. And I guess with social media, like I said, these spaces, as we, as we understand them, I think one of the main problems is that we look at social media, like we look at the news, people are under this false impression that it's naturally created and just basically shows an impartial, quantitative way of human behaviour. People don't necessarily think that's manipulated like the news and that there aren't large corporate investors who have an investment in telling you what things you should be aware of and how you're supposed to react to them accordingly.
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like we know about shadow banning, right? We know certain people get shadow banned when they say certain things. We saw instances of this during the height of Black Lives Matter in 2020, but we've seen that with... The black
0: square itself itself epitomises the uh, insidiousness of corporate interest to uh, suppress the discussion about racial uh, inequality. Because when you think about it, it's funny how social media has gone from constantly being able to improve its display of media from uh, voice notes to video, to streaming video, to Instagram lives. We go from all this technology, which is actually supremely effective in giving everyone uh, an autonomous way to explain or or to basically uh, display... um, life or to kind of give their own versions and account of events. So to then go from that to suggest that everyone should show a black square, well, a black square is what a TV looks like when it's off,
2: and a black square was what was showing up on the Explore page, not any of the other conversations about yeah. what actually needs to be done. It was easy for the algorithms to be pushing that, and that's why you, you had people were saying, "Stop using black square, yeah. stop using blue square," because actually, what it's doing is hiding the content that people actually need to see. Exactly,
0: but who, but who, but the question is, who would suggest something like that? And, that? and that's what we need to find out, and who we need to hold to task. And I said before that, like, the space. So with, whether it's powered by servers or large global servers, there needs to be a national space which is untouchable by any private corporate interest. People should be mm. people should be able to have accounts that exist on social media that cannot be owed, owned, owned, uh, and maybe under the Data Protection Act that you are not able to sell that data whatsoever as it exists within that public sphere that we might. All, because that's what this is. What I mean about preventing from aristocracy from aris- preventing a digital aristocracy from arising.
2: I think this would be the next bit of regulation that we need to be looking at how um, data is mined, mined and how it's sold and making sure that um, the technology that do certain verification tools aren't ca- capturing all this data and selling it. We need to be aware of how many platforms tech companies are buying. So, you know, there was a whole thing of Google buying Fitbit now, and that means they're going to have all of this health data. You know, there's a, there's a tactical reason why certain uh, platforms... I, are yeah, Google. biometrics
0: is the next one, isn't it? Like, because they're already trying to get, like, if they know when you're tired, and if, they, and if they if they are able to get it, because if you think about, like, what the implications for that are, that somebody who would be able to have a full link between your Fitbit and your phone will not only be able to target what, what words trigger you, but they can see the biological effect it has on you as well. And,
2: 100%. and then sending that,
0: that on to corporate interest sounds very scary
2: and this is exactly why we need to get it right now how do we stay safe online now with the platforms and the technology that we have now whether that is t- twitter uh snapchat um, tiktok or all, all the metaverse how do we stay safe for ourselves online with each other and what are we asking for tech companies to be doing what are we asking for governments to be doing because as you're saying this is evolving quicker than we think we're playing catch up oh yeah hell yeah we're, we're, we're two, we're two years behind. Yeah. So we need to start getting safety online and it, people think it's boring and it's, you know, it, 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 it takes away from like the spontaneity. No, it keeps us safe. It stops us getting into this short term reactiveness because actually what's happening in the long term? What are people testing? We are essentially becoming people's lab rats, right?
0: Yeah. Right. So- and and, and listen, we've seen this before. And we've seen this before in society. It's like even now having Braille on like detergent bottles. Someone had to do that as well. Like even you know, just just on television, saying "Don't try this at home," because we could see about how stylized and uh, embellished aesthetics can have the mind affect the minds of impressionable people. So I, I definitely yes. think that we're, we we need maybe to redraft legislation within the Data Protection Act. I'd say first of all, maybe if people want to volunteer to volunteer their opinion or to be involved in chat rooms or discussions. That uh, for political any any socio political allegiances or reasons, maybe people need to provide identification to do so. So, at a very minimal, you have to be a real person to be involved in this. Could be, and then by revealing that, people then themselves would be under the data protection like that by giving their identity into a national database that can't be passed on or sold on to uh, private interests.
2: I think opt being able to opt in and opt out will be the biggest thing. But we've got a huge problem with consent in this country, in this world. That's why we never get asked if we can opt in, opt out about data. It just gets used. Yeah. We just get in. We just get in. Or small and prints. we all want an easy life, right? Well, I mean,
0: who reads the terms and conditions really on uh, Apple Update? And also, who really used Telegram? <laughs>
2: Yeah, not enough people use Telegram not for it to be an alternative to WhatsApp, no. which is what they, which again, which is what they want. Not enough. Not, there's not another um, competitive alternative to Amazon, which is what they, what they want. So again, how do we make? How do we get to have proper consent? How do we ask for our our politicians to make sure there's legislation that allows us to opt in and opt out rather than just treating us as like stupid people when, yeah. when we're not. But
0: that's the thing is that like telling a politician, hey, we'll buy that from you for this much million, and people won't even know. Because we all saw Mark Mark Zuckerberg at the hearings, but I don't think most people even knew what the transcripts or the outcomes of those meetings were. Like a lot of people, like Mark Zuckerberg's, most people were like, "Mark Zuckerberg's in court for hearings," and people were like, "Yeah, what else is trending?" No one, no one even thought why. And then as soon as he left these hearings, he created the metaverse.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then he refused to come and speak to UK politicians as well. So actually, what teeth does UK? UK government have with these tech companies that are all based in America or or, or in China. Um, again, why it's so important um, for us when we're thinking about online safety to really get a basic understanding of what is happening in tech. We can't be ignorant to this anymore if we're going to use or spend 12 hours of our day on tech. We need to know what's happening on Zoom. We need to know what's happening with um with the Apple Watch or the Fitbit that we're using. We need to be more consciously aware. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I get it's easy to just log into stuff through our Twitter accounts and social media. It's easy just to like have the same password and stuff. But if we don't get into a practice of online safety, if we don't get into practice of having intentions when we're going online, having an ecosystem when we're going online, we're gonna keep falling into the trap of what tech companies want us exactly. to be doing, which is finding each other and giving them free data. It's a
0: whole new wilderness out there and people need to get their the equivalent of their spear and their shield.
2: Exactly. And a digital
0: pelt to keep themselves warm when the internet gets very cold.
2: Exactly. Because it's definitely it's a new frontier. So, exactly. I, we call um, At Glitch, the organisation that I founded, we call it digital self-care and self-defence. How do we now start defending ourselves this is not saying that we're abdicating government and tech companies of their responsibilities but how do we start shielding ourselves from a lot of the crap that is coming online and it's only going to get worse right of course cost of living is getting going up online crime will go up yeah i'm getting sneaky ways of people saying that i need to be giving them my 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 credit card details for something i had a text message from a weird mobile number saying that my apple pay as soon
0: as they start to credit people's accounts for energy now the, the basically, the scammers they run in parallel with any kind of new um, thing that's immersion or trending.
2: Exactly. So
0: people need to. I don't even
2: me. have Apple Pay, so that, that <laughs> so there you go. Howard, I feel like we've left you.
1: Well, do you know what? I was just spending the whole time on social media just tweeting. Now I'm joking. I think we need to get rid of it. I think there is a single truth in life, and whereas we're coming to the end of the episode, this is a good time to say as any, there's a single truth in life. Our real desire is for nature. That is all we really love is nature. It's our human nature, Our, our uh, the, the plants, the trees, the nature to laugh. Nothing matters more than my child, my cat. It's na- This internet, this social media thing isn't giving me any nature. It's giving me fake nature, if anything else. No, but it's, so I'm, it's, I'm just, it's just the race. If we, all, we the most, stop it,
0: I'm out. It's the most recent newest child. It's the most recent newest child of capitalism. And so yeah.
2: The reason why this I I look, nature is important. I think when we talk about digital self care, we talk about being in nature and doing things to look after yourself offline. You can't always be online. Anything, any, any, anything, and too much of anything is bad, right? Mm. So I I I hear you what you're saying about balance, but social media in its in in its purest is an opportunity to democratize, democratize information. Yeah. It's an opportunity to give a platform to people who don't usually get it. We have seen movements. We have seen some forms of accountability. We have seen progress happen on the platform. There could have been more, 100%. I also talk about in the book that certain disabled communities on the online space is a lifeline. Black Lives Matter during the pandemic was a lifeline for Black communities yeah. who needed to talk through what was going mm-hmm. on. Um, trans communities who are massively under attack—yes, they're under attack by being on the platform itself, which is a bit of a weird dynamic to be in. But people who are trying to work out their identity in a country that says if you even think about being gay, yeah. you're going to get headed—like some, yeah, some, some, amazing- sometimes
0: the internet is the only way they can kind of exist on there. And and do you know what? It, it says a lot that I I also theorize that where people have been observed and in many cases lamenting the larger or the larger prevalence of people joining or aligning with the trans community. I personally feel like it's not a new phenomenon. It's just that the courage and the space that has been offered through social media has allowed for people's aesthetics and their, uh, self, uh, their self identification agenda is concerned to migrate from the internet. And people are like, Oh, there actually are more people like me. And I can now live this truth aesthetically in real life as well and
2: the we right. help
0: them help them with that as well
2: yeah well and, and it helped me stop being a dickhead <laughs> i was i grew up in a church that told me all of this stuff was gonna get was gonna send you to hell i had such a conservative mindset and it was because of the internet that i was able to like unlearn all of that stuff does that need to be balanced with nature 100% is it shocking that we know that young people don't even haven't ever been to a farm and don't know how to spot certain animals I totally agree with you Howard and I think if there's these good things on social media how do we protect them from the dangers and the capitalism and the far right and the and the and the incels and the manosphere how do we protect the good on social media rather than demonizing that it's all bad
0: I, I think one of the ways to kind of do that is to observe as Howard said the more natural uh positive practices of humanity and have those migrate onto social media, which is observing the right to know that other people need to be able to have a voice and not attacking them as a result of it, observing the fact that we need to understand context when people make certain narratives, observing yes. the fact that even within uh our own real life legal systems, if people do make mistakes, these are not uh offences which means that they are not allowed to speak or participate in normal civilization anymore. So as I say, it's, it's, it's going to be a thing where I guess when human beings discovered fire, right, it would heat your food and keep you warm, but it would burn shit down. And some people were like, this stuff is terrible when Prometheus brought it to us. So yeah, I guess I, I would say definitely we need organizations like Glitch to be able to regularly and actively consult with government and larger municipal institutions and definitely uh, incentivize them and task them with uh, regulating private data houses in terms of how they use and manipulate and acquire um, human data.
2: 100%. And so nature needs social media right now, right? Yeah. Climate change and its progress that it's made in the last two, three years would have happened if it wasn't for social media yeah. because there was so much misinformation being spread. We know what certain um, right-wing media groups in America believe about climate change it would literally americans are not getting the right education when it comes to climate climate justice because and and it's because of social media so actually if you want there to be any nature we're gonna need we're gonna need these these activists to be online and be protected when they're online and be able to give us the information about what is what is happening with our kind of rising sea levels what is happening with like you know japan's going for another heat wave in october like this is like really scary stuff if we want if we love our nature so much it's the information on these platforms that are allowing us to to, to try and get ahead of um, what it looks like ultimate destruction now, of our planet. Now, Shay,
1: now Shay, if only we had the time in this episode to do if social media can help save uh, the environment. But we we haven't even got through your question. It was that good a question, wasn't it, Dave?
0: Well, yeah, I think I think that uh, we covered so much in that Shay, and I, I appreciate it. and. and Really, I think that we've been able to answer all of the questions I had and we've kind of covered that a lot. But I just, I think it's, uh, you're right. It's it's such a, this is, for me, you know, human beings have spent so much time like leaving the planet on space shuttles to discover new places. But this is the new, this is the new frontier. And is- in order for us not to, uh, I guess, march towards our own destruction and exactly. and be replaced, because that's the other thing as well, is that we are trying to colonize a space that is already largely populated by another life form. And that life form is not uh, compartmentalized along lines of race and ethnicity and gender and sexual identity. And it all uses the same language on a global scale. And so, you know.
2: I like your analogy. How do we stop marching to to our own destruction? Yeah.
0: Because it's like, you know, they say uh, God creates man and man destroys God. Well, we just made the new life form in terms of artificial intelligence, and I said this in a, a comedy show uh, a few years ago. The war between man and machine is not going to involve like nuclear warheads and and titanium androids like in Terminator, because they already know all of our secrets. So they don't even need to get involved in a fight. <laughs> all it does is tell us what we were saying about each other, and they put us at loggerheads.
2: They put a loggerhead. Yeah, exactly, 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 and we've seen that happen. And I think as well. What does destruction look like for humanity? But then also, how will that be worse for certain communities? What would the what is the online equivalent of black men being disproportionately stopped and searched? What's the online equivalent of black um, black people um, dying in, in uh, uh, dying or being, a, being being attacked by the police? What's the equivalent of these things that we're seeing offline, online, and that's happening with our data? That's why ser- that is why you've got. AI recognition tools being created and being used in criminal justice systems in the in the in the in the US that is then helping more black black men be put into 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 prison cells. So I, I, I we really have to be thinking about how we're marching to our own destruction by being passive and probably being so tired by capitalism, which is what happens. Right, we're so tired from work. We've got all of these issues now, climate change, now, cost of living crisis. You now want me to be caring about tech? I totally get it. I totally get it. But that's what capitalism does, makes us so tired that so we stop caring. Yeah. We're just this. Not, not, in- not only
0: that, it also it's, it's the dreams it suggests to us as well, because that's the other big issue, I think, in terms of trying to regulate our behavior and our disposition on social media, is that it allows us to create a capitalist capital inspired illusion of ourselves and our state of being. And that can be very problematic as well, because as you said, human beings experiencing the economic and industrial fatigue of trying to thrive within a capitalist world might be like I might be able to not be able to keep up with the rat race as it appears on here But online. Yeah. As far as everyone knows, I am making six figures a year and I'm living my best life. And sometimes that gives people enough of a dopamine release or enough of an intrinsic reward that they will continue to perpetuate and feed and basically give their dose to give up their souls to the machine.
2: Yeah, yeah, I hear that. More because 100%.
0: before, the, the promise was, in the afterlife, you will be able to enjoy all of the opulence and wealth that this and the next God has to offer. Whereas the new
2: Now, that's a question we- I'd love to talk about another time, about <laughs> the impact of, of of religion and the church and what that's how that's helped us become these capitalist machines. But I'm guessing we're running out of time.
1: When are we going to rebook, Shay then? It's got to happen. This has been a perfect episode, man. I mean, this has had so Absolutely. much content. It's just the beginning of the discussion as a- well.
0: Oh. It, it's been a pleasure to be able to talk to a new frontierswoman about, <laughs> <laughs> about this new space and that so many people believe that they understand. And we very, we understand so little about it, and uh, like anyone who wants to understand how data can be used, like I would recommend watching a couple of seasons of Westworld, and then yeah. you can see how yeah, far yeah, this yeah. thing can kind of go, yeah. where you are offered um, of the metaverse where you can act out your most uh, explicit carnal desires. But one must so, ask oneself, yeah, what do they say? These uh, these earthly delights have violent ends,
1: mm.
0: and mm-hmm. so we want to be able to get ahead of that. Uh, <laughs>
1: That bombs you, we, we, Shay. You got to please promise us you're going to come back and do the show again. You, you were incredible. Oh, with new
0: findings, and you see us. If you come up with new stuff that you think is definitely worth the discussion and awareness, okay. um, I would please do get in touch. In the meantime, I think our listeners will be positively enlightened by this conversation. But for those that want to find out more, Shay, where can they find out about your good works, past, present, and future?
2: Ah, thank you. Well, check out glitchcharity.co.uk if you want to look at any of the campaigns that we're doing right now about let's changing legislation and the work that we're doing with... BT Sport and EE in football to get them to help um, change the game when it comes to the online space. Please check us out if you want to look at our free workshops or training. And if you want to uh, pick up a copy of my book that I've been talking about, um, check out SheaAkiwoa.com and you can see where you can buy this book from all good bookstores. And I've saved this to the
1: end. I've saved this to the end. I once met you, Shea, when you won one of these awards uh, because my wife won... No way! Yeah, my <laughs> wife is Tara Button. She runs uh, com, which is a sustainable website.
2: Uh, oh, were you in the audience? I that's was, probably one of the la- last events we did before pandemic. That's
1: why I thought it's funny, right? And I went up to you and I was like, I like what you're doing. This is really interesting. Oh. And I, was, I said, you should come on the podcast. Uh, I, I, do, I, ne- I never sorted it out. Uh, maybe a pandemic here or something. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Well, just, yeah, uh, yeah, it's amazing
2: uh, uh, and you and
0: you a quick, talk. a quick, a quick side, a quick side question before we let you go, Shay. Yeah. You, have you seen the Matrix uh, Resurrections?
2: I have not seen any of the Matrix.
0: <laughs> Which is interesting because a lot of the work that's been done in there uh, is very similar to the work you're doing. In oh, interesting. Of, yeah.
2: I just, I just, every time I give it a go, I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I personally, you only need to watch the first two. Is how I think.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay that's helpful to know that's helpful to know but I know the Matrix move is a dance move and stuff I know all of oh, that yeah, I, know the, yeah. I know the cultural <laughs> things I
0: know the cultural yeah yeah, cultural <laughs> stuff, the, cult, but, yeah, yeah the, the cultural effects of it but yeah I, I think yeah definitely given a lot of the great work that you're doing in terms of having people to understand this uh, new world I think uh, yeah, the Matrix would be a very good start because it does also touch okay. that conversation Um <laughs> yeah but thank you so much for coming on and enlightening us and as I say we'd definitely love to have you back and of also course. if yeah. Glitch want to have any events and they need, they need a comedian let me know too <laughs>
2: Oh, amazing. Fantastic. Maybe we can start a challenge. We can get some comedians to start reading out the troll, trollish uh, comments they've received and we can get people to start um, raising awareness of it. And um, yeah, let's have a talk about what challenge we could potentially
1: start online. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay. Amy.
2: Thanks so much.
1: You've been listening to Dame Baptiste's Questions Everything. Hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Dane Snapteast and at The Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything.